When I was a kid, um, I actually played outside. How many remember those days? Kids actually went outside and played. Your parents said, go outside. But I just want to watch the note, go outside and what? Play. So a lot of times you had your friends. Sometimes you had no friends. That meant for me, that meant for me a lot of times in summertime was uh, I had a, I like to play catch. So I've had a, 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 a tennis ball and I'd hit the back of the house, you know, and play catch for myself. You know, you had to come up with certain games. But a lot of times the neighborhood kids were around and we played and we had a good time. And a lot of the things that we played, uh, kids probably don't play that much anymore, like cops and robbers. I remember we played cops and robbers. I remember we played uh, cowboys and Indians. Some of the stuff isn't in PC anymore, I don't think. But we're gonna, that's what we did back in those days. Uh, how many ever played uh, Starsky and Hutch? I like Starsky. I was going to be Starsky no matter what. That's my guy. Remember Chips? Remember Chips back in the day? You had to ride your bike simultaneously together with your pal, right? And I was Ponch. Otherwise, I would not play. I was not going to be that other guy. I don't even know his name. To this day, I don't know his name. But everybody knows Ponch, right? Um, and also, we used to play something called Army. Now, probably the girls didn't like it as much as maybe the guys did, but we play army. Sometimes we play with our guns, our little fake guns. Sometimes we play with BB guns. That wasn't too safe back in those days. Did you ever get shot? Oh, yeah. A few times I got shot. Did you ever shoot anybody else? I'll never tell. Hallelujah. But, but we played that sometimes. And then we had the little plastic army guys. Remember the little plastic guys? You'd set them up, and then you had, they'd set up their side, and I'd have my side. I remember my cousin and I playing this a lot. And, and then we'd take balled-up socks and we throw them like bombs and see how many people, we, you know, we could knock down soldiers and so forth. Um, that was a, a fun, different type of day that people lived in. Now it's all online. You can see a lot of it with a lot more graphics than we ever thought of back in those days. I'll tell you that. But I will tell you that for me, when I was growing up, I was always drawn to alpha type characters. I was not ever drawn to a beta type of a male character. I like the tough, rough gruff kind of guys. I like Dirty Harry. I remember Dirty Harry. Make my day. Come on. Somebody. What did he say? he say? He said, come on, punk. Make my day, right? That was a great saying. How about Arnold Schwarzenegger? And he would say, I'll be back, right? Remember that? Great alpha type character. How many remember Rocky when Mr. T goes, I'm going to bust you up. And he goes, go for it. Remember that whole thing? You're like, yeah, it's going to shiver down your spine. It's going to be a fight now, right? So I was always kind of drawn to those type of characters, and you knew who the good guys were, and you knew who the bad guys were. You, you knew who the enemy was. Not so much today. Today it's all kind of shuffled together. You don't know who the good guy is as much as the bad guy, and sometimes in a lot of movies today, the bad guy becomes the good guy. Not because he does something good and redeems himself. Everybody just begins to root for the bad guy. I found this out years ago. We had a production called Jesus of Nazareth. And we used to have, uh, you know, we had all the characters together. And one of the guys that we had played, uh, he was a great actor uh, by the name of Defran Santiago. You might remember who he is. And uh, he, he played Judas. And he was such a good actor that when he would do stuff, he'd steal for her body. You know, he'd lie and connive. And we had him, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And then he hung himself. He jumped on, and he looked like he, you know, he has a harness on, but he looked like he hung himself and he died. He would get a standing ovation every night. I said, Deaf, you got it. Now, his name was Deaf from Deaf. You got it. You can't do that. What do you mean? I'm just acting. I said, You got to tone it down. The ho- people are falling in love with you. 
Jesus is the star of the production. I mean, they would clap for him too, but it seemed like Def was getting all the applause, right? Because we have a culture that we want to applaud for the bad, for the evil. Let me make this statement. We are in a war, and I don't mean a natural war, but we are absolutely, positively in a spiritual battle, a spiritual war. And if you don't know that, you need to check your spiritual pulse because every day we get up, it's like there's a strain and a stress in the spirit. And I'm here to tell at least two people here today, we are going to win not only the battle, but we are going to win the war. But it's going to take all of us. Someone say Amen. If you're watching us online, just write amen. That's how you, we can hear your amens today in the comment section. Uh, the New Testament is replete with scripture on military terminology. Uh, one scripture says, the weapons of our warfare are what? Mighty in God. That's a whole message right there. Our weapons are mighty in God. Another scripture says, be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Another scripture says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Fight against the wiles of the devil. Another one says, fight the good fight of faith. We are in a fight. We are in a battle. It's been going on for 2,000 years, but just of late, all of a sudden, things have been getting amped up like never before. But there is a movement out there in the body of Christ that is, in my opinion, creating a pacifist type of mentality, a beta type mentality. Don't be too aggressive with the message, Pastor. Slow it down. Calm down. We don't want to offend anybody. I don't necessarily want to get up here and offend anybody, but I found out something. The Bible, when you start speaking the truth, will draw a line, and it can bring an offense. Let me ask you, does it not offend you that the devil manipulates and lies to your family every single day? Does it not offend you that sin separated us from God? As a result, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Does it not offend you that Jesus, who absolutely was innocent, had to die a cruel sinner's death on an old rugged cross just to pay the penalty of sin and death? Come on, if that don't offend you, I don't know if you got blood flowing through you this morning. I find it offensive that you are not offended or have you been offended over the greatest truth that's ever been known. I find that offensive. Somebody say amen. Psalms 110 verse 1. I think they got the new, I hope they got the NIV version of this. If not, it's not going to work today. But let me just write, say, it, say it together. Uh, I'll read it out loud. If they don't have it, they don't have it. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day to, for a battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. In other words, the Bible says, get ready for spiritual warfare. The word arrayed means this. It means to place in proper or desired order. It means to marshal. It means an arrangement in troops drawn up for battle. This shows a picture of the organization for battle or war. Soldier saints are now being organized for combat. Everybody say order. Say it again. Say order. Everything that's out of order does not work. No matter what it is, if it's out of order, it doesn't work. That's why when they put the out of order sign on a machine and you try to put your money in and you don't get your money back, well, they try to tell you. The machine doesn't work. Why? Something in it is out of order. 
the word arrayed, when God says, I'm going to array my, array my people uh, in, in my glory and my splendor, is to say, I'm putting them in order. So they're preparing themselves for not military combat, but spiritual warfare. Everybody doing their thing is keeping out of order with God. God wants us all to come and step with him. God wants us all to come together with his will. God wants us all to come together with his purpose. Not everybody just going out and doing their own thing. I'm so glad that we have the internet because right now we're preaching on the internet. I'm so glad for so much good has come out of it, yet there's so much bad and evil that's come out of it as well. And some of it you might say is evil, but if you really look at it, you find out there are people there, watch this, that have a voice that have not earned it. And they're spewing things that they don't even know what they're talking about and regurgitating everybody else's ideas and concepts, and yet people are listening to them while the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer the world needs to hear, but it's pushed down and pushed away. And by the way, the gospel, I'm going to tell you right now, we already know this has already been proven. Anything that is, has a conservative edge to it, in other words, anything in the church, we're talking about the church, not politics, has to do with what? Conservatism, because we preach about certain things in the word of God that just we just know that is the Bible. And what happens is now the algorithms come out and we get pushed to the side. Our videos don't get watched, but everything else that's evil in the world can be seen. Something's out of order here. And what God wants to do is bring his people together so we stand up. Because I want to tell you right now, what needs to happen in our culture is this. The sleeping giant called the church needs to arise out of its slumber and step up to the plate and say we're willing to go to war for what we believe in. Not military war, but spiritual battle. We don't do our, or necessarily do our protests on the outside. We do our protests on the inside. We go and we take a knee before God and we say, God, we cry out to you. Only you can heal our land. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. That's the promise of Almighty God. Order means staying inside the will of God for our lives and not just doing things on our own accord. Church, if God is in it, and if you're in the will of God, that means God is in it. And if God is in it, you will win it. Psalm 68, 11 says this, the Lord gave the word, and that's what we want. We want to hear the word of the Lord concerning our lives. We want to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church of which we're all a part of. He said, great was the company, in other words, the troop, of those who proclaimed it. When you hear the word of God, you become great. When you do the word of God, you become great. When you begin to speak and proclaim the word of God, the Bible says, great was the company or the troop of those who proclaimed it. They were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were not ashamed to speak, thus says the Lord. So God expects us to be in his will and carry out his commands like a good soldier. A soldier doesn't ask his general uh, you know, let me see your credentials first. He doesn't say, I don't align with your political beliefs. 
He doesn't say, well, I don't like the fact that you uh, were married twice. And, and I don't like the fact that you mistreated your children. He just knows one thing. You're in charge. My job is to fall in line and to do what you ask. Well, that's, that's negative behavior over people. But God's never done you wrong. God's never sinned. God's never let you down. If God says it, come on, just do it. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 says, You therefore must endure hardships as a, hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Betas struggle with that because they want to say, let's just play nice. Can we all just get along? Yes, maybe with people we can try to get along and play nice, but I'm not talking about that. He's talking about spiritual things. What goes around in the spirit realm. He said you've got to endure the hardship. And you got to become a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You can't say, well, let's all just play together nicely. Why? Because the devil don't play nice. When he's attacking your health, he wants to kill you. You won't say, I'm sorry, devil. Did I offend you? Oh, my goodness. That's the last thing in the world I want to do. You want to kick the devil in the teeth in the name of Jesus. Someone say Amen. When your finances are being attacked, when your children are being attacked and, and, and out there in the world, you don't play nice with the devil. He'll kill you. But you become strong and like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one entangled in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him, God, who enlisted him as a soldier. At the end of the day, church, I'm not, again, I'm not out to offend nobody. I'm like everybody else. I want everybody to like me. I want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked. But that's not my job to be liked. If you do, praise God. If you don't, praise God. I got to tell the truth. I got to live it for myself and then preach it the way God gave it. So at the end of the day, I'm not here to please you. And you're not here to please me. And you're not here to please one another. If it happens, great. You're here to do what God asks you to do, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the service. And some of you already have counted that cost. I'm here to please him who enlisted me. That's our problem. We're always trying to please everybody else around us. We're trying to make sure that we don't step on anybody's toes. We're all the time trying to make sure we say the right thing. The other day I had a good joke. I was going to put it on the internet. I thought, oh, no, I don't know if the time is right. They might take this wrong. I don't know how people. I had to wrestle with that thing. I long for the day we can just say what we want to say and not everybody thinking that you got a malicious or nefarious intention with it. But we live in a culture. Now I'm preaching stuff I didn't know I was going to preach. That if you say one thing, they're going to cancel you. It's called cancel culture. And they want to cancel you. Well, I got news for the devil and everyone that, that follows him. We're going to speak the word of God whether you like it or don't like it. Do what you think you got to do. But we're going to stand firm and stand strong and speak the word of God. We have freedoms to do it. I'm a Christian first. I put the kingdom first, but I'm still an American citizen. Hallelujah. And I still got my rights cancel. You can't cancel Christ. The cancel culture tried to kill him, but they couldn't kill him. Three days he came back from the come on. You can't cancel Christ. Devil said this will silence him. This will teach him. And the gospel went poof. It went all over the whole wide world and it's still going strong. 
Pastor Nick just gave me the stat. Said, they said, Dad, I was shocked. I looked over the, got the research, took it back, and Christianity is still the number one religion in the world, and it's still growing. Yes, it's not perfect. And yes, the church is broken in a lot of ways, but God is still in it. And if he's in it, we will we'll win it. When you got saved and you became a born-again child of God, you were enlisted into the army of God in that moment. And you are on a battle cruiser, not the love boat. <laughs> Amen. I remember the love boat. Remember that, remember that song? Remember the show? And all the B actors would show up on the show. Amen. And <laughs> we watched it. We thought it was great. And there's Gopher. Remember Gopher and the captain? And Doc? Huh? Captain Stupid, did you say? You were a fan. You watched the love boat. We're not on the love boat, y'all. We are on a battle cruiser. So what would it make us then if he enlisted us in to his service? What would it make us if we disengage from active duty without consent from our superior? It would make us what? AWOL. An acronym. What does that mean? Absence without leave. Absent without leave. We've got Christians. AWOL. From telling their friends and their neighbors that they're even saved, let alone go to church for fear of being persecuted and the desire to be accepted. We've got pastors AWOL from preaching the whole truth of God's word because they want the applause of man and they want a big crowd. We've got fathers that are AWOL from their families because they don't want to grow up and accept responsibility. We got mothers that are AWOL from their children because they feel they have a right to go to the club and party all night long while their children are being raised by their grandmothers. I think we got enough of that going on. I think it's time that the body of Christ stops flaking out and starts bucking up and become the soldier saints that we're destined to be. I'm preaching like a baby boomer. I'm Gen X. Hey, man. And it's probably true. I got one foot in that generation. I got the other one in millennial gener generation. And I get it. I see it all. I'm right in the middle of it. I see it. You may not like this, but the Bible says that God is a man of war. He is the captain of the Lord of hosts, the Bible says. Captain Lord of the Lord's host. In other words, he sees his angels as soldiers. And when did that war begin? It began in heaven. When Satan, well, Lucifer, rebelled against God. And God threw him down. And that was the rebellion in the spirit. But then that same spirit got over on Adam and Eve, and they sinned, and that rebellion got on them. And so from heaven to earth, from earth till now, Genesis 3 to right now, we have been under that type of curse, if you will, where we've been fighting one battle after the other. Prophetically speaking, we are between Genesis 3 and Revelation chapter 19. Acts says this in verse 
26, Acts 17, verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. Now, this is not my preaching, David, but it's good preaching. Well, you know, I'm from the black race. I'm from the white race. I'm from the Hispanic race. I'm from the Asian race. I'm from the Indian race. I think I got them all, the big ones, right? No, you are not. There are not five big races on planet Earth. There's only one race. That's the human race. (laughs) And if you can't see it, you will only ever see somebody's ethnicity and see the difference between them and you. But his word says that God made from one blood every ethnicity of men to dwell on the face of the earth. We are all in it together. We are called the human race. If you are in the hospital, or if I'm in the hospital and I need blood, they don't answer. Well, make sure it's, I'm not Archie Bunker. Y'all remember that episode, Archie Bunker? Found out that it was a black man that gave him a transfusion. Freaked him out because now he's got black blood on the inside of him. Now, Archie always kind of got, he was okay by the time of the end of the episode. But he was a racist. We all know that, right? You don't have to ask what color of skin that thing came from. Every blood, any blood type that you have will save your life. And if you put white, black people together, and they, they could actually reproduce. Did you know that? It's unbelievable. And they make the most beautiful babies. This is immaturity land to think that we're separate. We're not separate. God knew, by the way, because the Bible says, watch, finish me, finish the verse. And he has determined. Watch this. You got to back up there, guys. They're pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God knew when and where you were to be. Before the world began, he knew, he knew exactly the color of your skin. He knew your DNA structure. He knew what home you'd come out of. He knew what nation you'd be born in. He knew what city. He knew what hospital. Come on. He knew everything. He predetermined the time and the place. So that tells me, doesn't matter what's going on in the world right now, you were born for such a time as this. Quit cursing how bad it is out there. If it's dark, light a candle. Oh, you might have forgotten. Jesus lives in you. And Jesus is the light of the world. And he said, don't take that light and hide it under a bushel. But put it on a lampstand and put it on top of the hill that the whole city can see the light and come to the light. The darker it gets, the brighter the light. Come on, church. For you were born for such a time as this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. Now, I am not a believer that 
that, that, that God has already chosen those who will be saved. I believe he knows who will be saved. But in reality, our job is to take the gospel and spread it to all people that all men may have the opportunity to choose Jesus and choose salvation. But think about it today. That out of people that were saved in your family, you are born again. What a privilege and what an honor. You have been chosen, handpicked by God for this very moment in time. So don't curse your family and say, oh, they, they make, they're, they're just living life of the devil and they, they're always persecuting me behind my back. Just let your light so shine because God handpicked you. God chose you to be that light in the darkness of your family. Just a moment, I want to deal here with bad doctrine that's been taught worldwide that says we don't have to ever repent. Once we've found Jesus in our hearts, that's the last of repentance, except for the fact that it's all over the New Testament. Yes, that initial repentance of salvation, I don't ask the Lord to come in my heart every single day. I did it. That's all that matters the day I did it. I didn't have to do it again. I'm in. But yet the Bible does say that I'm to live a life of repentance. And so there's an inclusion, doctor. Be very careful who you listen to. There's a great man by the name of Carlton Pearson that is on the Internet. And he served God, and he did he led a lot of great things for the, of the body of Christ. Probably one of the nicest people you'll ever I met him briefly in the airport as a kid. And I, I saw him, and I, I recognized him immediately. He was eating shrimp. I'll never forget it. And cocktail. I thought, I can't bother that man, but i got to say something. So I went over and said, hello. I was in my early 20s. And he sat, had me sit down with him and talked to him for about five, six minutes, just sitting there talking. And he was here in Milwaukee. He was preaching for, I think, uh, Pastor Daryl Hines at that time. And, and so my point is, is that very sweet man, very earnest guy. But, you know, you can, be, you can actually be nice and sweet. Believe you believe what you believe is the truth and still be wrong. Yes, as a matter of fact, those are the most dangerous people on the planet because they actually believe what they're saying is the truth. For they themselves have been deceived. That Jesus Christ died once and for all for sin. Yes, amen. But that's it. Nobody has to ever receive him because he already died for everybody's sin. So it's already done. Everybody has been included. Except for the Bible says you must believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sin and turn from your sin and then you shall be saved. It's over and over and over in the scriptures. Or the grace message that says that, you know, that, that uh, we can do whatever we want because we're now under the grace of God. So we can, we can just do, we can cuss and, and carry on and act like the devil and, and, and we can, now some of y'all still cuss. I believe in God for you, praise God. Amen. He said, ain't nothing wrong with it. Oh, come on. Now, if Jesus showed up at your house, would you cuss? Mm, maybe not. Well, come on. Why wouldn't you? Because it might be wrong. It might be wrong. So you deal with that yourself. Uh, how about this? So just carrying on. I can have an adulterous affair. The Lord understands. I'm just a human being. I'm under his grace. If I ask anything, if I confess anything, he'll forgive me of all my sin. There's something that's very vital here that we understand because I believe that we do not have to have a sin consciousness, always worried about our sin. But we must have a humble and contrite heart and be repentive because repentance means to confess your sin and to turn from it. 
Repentance means I'm no longer doing this. I made a decision to walk away from it. And church, if you haven't turned, you haven't repented. Y'all were shouting a little bit louder a minute ago. Turning means you don't go back to it. Turning means you don't re-engage in it. Turning means you move away from it. If you turn, it means you are now moving in a brand new direction. Amen. Revelations 2.4 says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, Jesus said, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Telling the whole church they were already saved. Repent and do the first works. What was that? Your first love. Come back to me, or else I will quick come quickly, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you what? Repent. Repentance needs to be a practice brought back into the church. And we need to, as a church, corporately repent. We need repenting in our personal lives. Again, that's not to say that we're so sin conscious that we're always feeling bad about our sin. I'm saying that we know that we live in this world and we get dirtied by it. You know, washing someone's feet in those days was an act of humility. You washed, your, you washed the feet of the people that came from a journey to your house, and you would wash their feet, and you would be hospitable to them. Why? Because they walked a long journey, and their feet had become dirty. But guess what? When they go to somebody else's house, their, house, their feet gets dirty again. It doesn't mean that they take a whole bath. It just means their feet got dirty. And the same is true for you. It doesn't mean you're going to hell because you sin. It's because when you don't wash your feet, come on, somebody, you track that into somebody's home, and now there's dirt everywhere. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. you got to wash that stuff out, and you can only wash it off with repentance. Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm not doing that anymore. You say, but I said that last week. Keep saying it. Keep believing the Holy Ghost to strengthen you in that area. So as we see the end times that are coming now, and everything is drawn to a conclusion, we have to realize that there's a battle. And that battle is over a great deception that is trying to stop the church from advancing and winning souls. Um, I went on a little bit of a rant there a moment ago. I didn't know I was going to do it about, you know, our rights and cancel culture. Because, you know, it, gets, it got in me. I started thinking, wow, we are literally one or two steps away from that becoming a reality to where America is no longer what we think it was or had before, and we lost, we lose our liberties, and now I can be imprisoned by speaking just simple things in the Word of God that they don't deem is right. What are we going to do? You see, I'm just saying that we've got to, if we will all stand up, church that's watching me right now, there's thousands that will watch this week, I'm telling you, if we'll all just stand up and be heard and pray and seek God and have a voice and not be afraid of what people think, it'll back that culture down to say, look, my deal is this, church. I'm not one of those guys that are out there that believe it. Let me just tell you a little bit. I'll tell you a little bit myself about your pastor that says, well, you know, let's, they, they shouldn't be allowed to say those things, that group of people and that group of people over there. Uh, no, they should be allowed to say those things. Well, why would you say that? Two reasons. Number one, you take their freedom away, you're going to take our freedom away. That's how it works. Can't have it both ways. And here what I love, the more they talk, the more they're hanging themselves. Now we know where they stand. And we need to get out of gray areas and understand that's what that they've been and that's what they mean, and now we know. 
And what people begin to make a decision, go, we don't want that. We want the truth. That's the reason why. So I'm not saying this from some political standpoint. I'm saying I'm concerned that if we don't stand up and have the mentality of a soldier, it's not about, this is not a meism gospel to make me feel good and teach me prosperity and teach me about how to speak in tongues and, and get a word from God. We need all that too. That's important. But if that's all we're doing and we're not standing up and saying this is right and this is wrong and teaching our children, we'll lose the battle. Look at our mission. It's simple. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the ethnicities, nations. Then the end will come. It's been our mission for 2,000 years. We've got to begin to start to accomplish this. We need to be like the sons of Issachar that are discerning the times and the seasons, knowing the time, knowing the day, knowing what God is actually up to and wants to do. And I'm going to tell you something. You spend a little time with him. It's not rocket science. He'll begin to share with you and show you those plans. Another scripture, Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness will abound. Are we not seeing lawlessness abound? Oh, my goodness, it's everywhere. And we're afraid to death to deal with it. The love of many will grow cold. So when you start seeing lawlessness abound, you're going to start seeing love grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. How many can love like that? Love in a way that you'll endure to the end. Love to let this generation know what's really up. Question, do we love enough to help the hurting? Do we love enough to tell people the truth? Do we love enough to go after the lost even though they may persecute us? Let me turn the question around. How much do you have to hate someone to not help them, to not tell them the truth? To not go after them and warn them of coming judgment. Isn't that the reality what's really going on? Soldiers, saints, don't back down just because some people hate the message that they preach or even hate them personally. Soldier saints move into action out of a sense of deep love, not of country, but of kindred. They move with mission and purpose, and they move with love, and the love is what strengthens them to continue to move with mission and purpose. Matthew 24, 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had come, what hour the thief would come, um, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. What is that saying? I've got to live prepared. I've got to live repentant. I've got to live right. I can't have one foot in the world and one foot in God. I've I, I got I to get rid of that stuff, that old behavior, that stuff that's killing me. This life is too short. Matthew 25, there are three stories that Jesus tells about the last days and, and those who dwell on the earth. He talked about the ten virgins and the five, the, uh, the five wise and five foolish of the ten virgins. And, the eight virgins. and he said, he said the, the five wise were the ones that had their lamps filled with oil, waiting for the bride, to, uh, the groom rather, to come to their home. And the other five, they didn't fill up their lamps. And they ran out of oil. They tried to go to the others. They fill it up. They said, we cannot, for we're waiting for our groom to come. In other words, be prepared, be ready. The other, the other ones were the three uh, men with the talents. One had five, two, and one. And the Bible says the, the other two, they did really well, but the one that had one buried the talent. 
He didn't go to work. He didn't do what he was asked to do. Then we have the sheep and the goats. And the Bible says they'll be separated in the last days. How? According to what they did and did not do. According to their works, their preparedness, their readiness. All these were lazy and complacent people that lost out. And Jesus warns us of that. You can become so complacent in your Christianity, so complacent in your church, so complacent in your families and your city as a believer in Christ. And become lazy and don't do the work that is necessary. And watch this. Again, the dirt of the world gets, wa- gets put up on you and you need to be washed clean again. There are, unfortunately, those like this in the body of Christ. And the Bible talks about a man named Demas. Now, Demas was one of the disciples, one of the apostles that ran with Paul. He was Paul's guy. He's raising him up. Old Demas, the Bible says, but he loved this present world. He couldn't shake the world away from himself. And he was deceived and he deserted the church. But the Bible says he deserted, yet he tried to stay religious. You know, that's the problem with us. We got people that are, uh, that, that, that are spousing Christ but don't live for Christ. I said this last, I, th- I don't know if I said it on a Thursday broadcast or when, I don't remember what I said, but I was talking about hypocrisy. And when I was growing up, you know, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was going to hell. I knew I had my problems. I never denied who God was. I knew I had my issues. I wasn't making excuses for those things. And I could not stand a hypocrite. Matter of fact, in those days, I tell you, I hate hypocrites. I wasn't saved, y'all, so I can say that. I hated them. Why? Because I couldn't understand. How can you say you love God, yet you live like the devil all week long? I'm saying I'm, saying I'm living like the devil. I know what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend to have my hands raised on Sunday to worship God, but I live like the sinner all, all week long. Either get in or out. Jesus said, y'all don't like this kind of preaching. Don't be beta, be alpha. Alphas like this kind of behavior. They want to get challenged. Amen. Jesus, I want you to be hot or I want you to be cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Yes, the loving, lowly sheep Jesus said strong, strong words. I love the fact he said, I would you even be cold? At least I can work with that. But the lukewarm person, you've deceived yourself. You are religious, but you do not have relationship with the Almighty. Here's the good news. You and I have been chosen by God to live in these last days. That means that God meant for us to overcome. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, and I close with this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory, that he has overcome the world, even our faith, the Bible says. I'm not afraid of what's going on in the world. Why? Because I know I'm an overcomer. What do you mean you know you're a overcomer? Because I live in such a time as this, and if God put me here, he aims to win and get victory through my life. Do you think God, God is involved in a war that he can't win? He just needs some good soldiers. Somebody say amen to this. Did y'all enjoy the word today? It challenges you a little bit. Well, you sound mad. I I am very mad. I'm not mad at you at all. I'm mad at the stinking devil. I'm mad at the devil taking advantage of God's people for robbing us, trying trying to detour us. Not even detour, trying to derail us from our destiny and our future. Amen.